The Koi Gig Pod. I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 weeks gone. That's, it's mad to think of really, it seems kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. I'm delighted to welcome the former Liverpool and Republic of Ireland international defender Mark Lawrence into the show. Morning, Laurel. How are things? Uh, <clears throat> all good, apart from a heating failure in the house, which is why I've got my cap on. But right, other than that, we're all good. Good Peaky Blinders hat. I like it. Yeah, yeah. You're pulling it off there, Thank Mark. You. I have to say, fair play to you. Um, I borrowed it off my dad who passed away. So. Ah, lovely, nice lovely, hat. nice story to it as well. Uh, we, mm. we we'll keep an eye on this Andy Murray game. We'll we'll update the uh, listeners and viewers as uh, as as things go. Six three Murray currently in this tiebreak. Uh, we do want to talk to Liverpool though, Laro, because I mean the result of the weekend was disappointing again, but more so the performance against Brighton three 0 defeat. Yeah, uh, I think Klopp described it as the low point of his own Liverpool tenure. Would you go along with that? Well, I think I think he wasn't even stronger, which was ever. I think he said. I thought he said that the worst result ever in performance from from a team. And we know they've been struggling. And the problem is, we know what the problem what the problem is, which is obviously midfield, um, and that's a fact affected everything that Liverpool do. Because if you think about it, you know they're very attacking wise from the back with the two fullbacks. Um, but there's no protection in midfield at the moment. There's no creativity. So you can have who you want up front and they just aren't creating any chances. And they're in a rut. And obviously the problem is tonight they go to, to Wolves, which which will be tight because of the way that Wolves are, uh, are playing under Lopetegui. And I wouldn't mind betting they might even go out of the competition, which I don't think in Klopp's mind would be would be the end of the world. But then really you're talking about having to having to at the very least beat, you know, Champions League and that that's around the corner Real Madrid at home in a couple of weeks, I think. It's a realistic possibility, Mark. I mean you're looking at the, the table here. They've all they've already lost six times in the Premier League. They're only mm. beaten four times in sixty three games across all competitions last season. I mean ten points adrift of the top four as well. Is that a realistic possibility that they might not get that top four because I mean the way yeah. City and Arsenal United and Newcastle are playing it's a, it's a tough four to break into Absolutely and um, I mean Van Dijk missing as well but he, he wasn't playing particularly well either Yeah, yes most definitely and you know we all know as I said to you before the problem is is, is that lacking in midfield players I don't think Jordan Henderson made a tackle apparently somebody said at the weekend at Brighton Um so it is it it is a possibility. I mean, Klopp's been through this before, but he's he's looking at the players that he's got, and whichever way he changes them around at the moment, they're just not at it. I mean, they could easily have gone out against Wolves in the first game in the FA Cup because of uh, the lack of VAR at that particular moment late on in the game. The kids are what they are, the kids, um, and they're not ready for it. And you know, he's also a bit reluctant to chuck them in at the moment because. The, the team's suffering and therefore they would suffer and you bring kids in when the team's going well, just the odd one or two maybe. And they're just in a little bit of a mess and of course everybody, go and buy some players, <clears throat> go and do this and go and do that. But um, that's not the way that they operate at, at Liverpool and we know they took Gakpo, which and I think the reason they took him because they do believe that it was only going to get better and his fee was going to go up and I think his time was now, so you, you understand that, but it's no good having these five or six outstanding forward players and not really getting supplying them with any chances and of course you know they they all of a sudden are thinking well we're not we're not going to get the ball what we're doing so yeah it's it is a bit of a mess at the moment but look 
you know, the best thing about the football club is the manager, um, and and he will sort it. But it must, might just be one of those seasons where they miss out on everything. I'm afraid. In relation to that point, Mark, about them not that's not the way they do things at Liverpool. The midfield area specifically, like you look at Thiago and beyond that, you have ageing players, leggy players, young players who maybe yeah. not up to it, particularly in the midfield area. That, that's not the way they do things at Liverpool is a f- very fair comment. Is it about time now, probably a lot of Liverpools would say, that maybe they just need to change their ways, particularly in relation to that area of the pitch? Well, <laughs> yeah, good question. But I think, I think the thing is that... Um, Maybe as well. I mean, the owners will be aware of it. And the problem probably is that the, the players that they want, they aren't available. Or if they are, it's absolutely mad money. And really, apart from the purchase of Alisson and, and Van Dijk, they've uh, they've not they've not generally paid more than well, it, thirty forty million generally was what 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 they paid for players. If you look at them and, and made them all better. Uh, certainly, there's there's a whole host of, of players on that list, but it's one of those, isn't it? And they, they took the lad on loan from Italy, who's well, basically not played. I think has he gone back now? I think he got injured. Um, so I don't. It's one. It's one of those. I, I just they're not they're not the kind of club under clock that just goes right. Right, you know what? Whatever, we'll just have to go and buy X, Y, Z. Um, that's not the way that they operate. Should he, in that case, if they're not going to bring somebody in, like sticking with the system as it is, does he need to be more adaptable in that? Like if they're not bringing a player in, it's not working for them in midfield. Like you see the way teams are playing mm. through them so easily. Does he need to change it up a bit or is it just too unclop like I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both when you say change it up a little bit. I mean, basically, who else does he bring in? I mean, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain is playing at the moment and I think most people would have looked at at the Ox at the start of the season and thought, well, this will be his last last year at Liverpool. And maybe even he might have gone in this this transfer window because he's just, I'm afraid, he's just off it. Kate has never really done it. He's one of the few Klopp signings that's not really done it. We've seen it in little, um, little bits and pieces where you think, wow, what a player, but he just disappears in games. And you know these the, the, the you know the kids Elliot etc. Garvalho, it's too early for them. It's too early for them to be playing on a, on a regular basis. And you can actually destroy young players by you know consistently playing them. And the idea with young players is just to kind of they can dip dip in and dip out. Uh, Curtis Jones, too many touches really. When he's got the opportunity to play, he's not. Really, I mean, he came on obviously with that with that goal against Arsenal in the FA Cup, however, two or three years ago. And in all honesty, he's, he's not kicked on. So it's a, it's a difficult one because what what do you do? Um, do you do you put a defensive minded player in? There? I mean, Fabinho, Fabinho's. Oh, he went away at the World Cup and he's looked ordinary. And generally, Fabinho is a seven or eight out of ten every time he plays. He sits in front of the back two. Um, and does it does whatever he needs to do, um, but he's just not at it as well at the moment. And I think a little bit you can go back to last season, and I think this is a, a relevant argument, which is they played in every single game possible, didn't they? So they they got to three cup competition finals and obviously played all the all the games in the league, and they ha- they didn't have too much uh, of a preseason, and it was probably too early. And I know it's quite, people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's the turn of the year now and everything. But if you look at them, 
generally, nearly all of them, they just all look leggy. And it's a really, really difficult one for the manager to, to, to cope with. And like anything, when you when you look like that, you kind of think, oh, we can give them a bit of rest, etc. But look, you know, they're playing, they're playing every three days at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, that's like, right. like everybody. Yeah, fair fair point, Mark. I mean, the the fatigue is certainly something that was picked up on and mentioned by, by Jordan Henderson and Jurgen Klopp after the match uh, at the weekend. Just a brief departure to mention that Andy Murray is through to the second round of the Australian Open. He is beaten. Yeah, great result for, for Andy Murray. I was, uh, in five... many, many years ago, I was sorry. Many years ago, I was on a plane from Barcelona back to England, and and uh, I sat next to him, and he was only be about sixteen or seventeen. And I, you know, you do. I was like, I was sat in my seat, and then I saw this lad come down with all these these rackets and everything. And I'm typical. I sat there and I said, "Oh, so you're a tennis player?" And he looked at me, thinking, <laughs> "You moron." Um, but he's a really nice fellow. And if you th- if you think about what him and Jamie have been through in their life, I mean, Dunblane. Mm. So now you know. And I always thought maybe about eighteen months ago, well, that's probably the end of, of Andy Murray with his hip injuries, etc. And he's a fighter, isn't he? He really seriously is a fighter. Maybe maybe could play for Liverpool tonight against Wolves. <laughs> was there a bit of game recognised game, Mark? Did he know you were? No, absolutely no, no idea. Just thought of this old buffer. Did you give him the CV? <laughs> Get no. the Wikipedia out, no? <laughs> no, no. Didn't bother. No, no. In, no. Fact, in fact, to be fair, it was that long ago. I don't think Wikipedia was out. Probably, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things, he's, he's quite impressive. I, I mean, physically, Murray, the fact that he's come through a five-setter, especially uh, against the 13th seed. Yeah. So it was 3-6, 3-6, 6-4, 7 So Murray winning that final set tiebreak, 10-6. So brilliant, brilliant win for him uh, on the Rodley Arena. We'll, we'll chat to Catherine Murphy a bit later in the show as well about that uh, about that performance. Uh, Mark, did want to touch on, when you're talking about the Liverpool tactics and formation. Like I'm just reading here some of Klopp's comments from his press conference yesterday. He's saying ahead of this uh, replay in the FA Cup tonight against Wolves, he has two senior strikers available. You'd imagine that's Salah and uh, Gakpo. Nunez is likely to be an injury risk, but uh, I mean that that might inadvertently make sure that he moves from a four three three to a four four two. It was four four two that they played against Man City this season when they when they won by a goal to nil. I mean, bit of cover for the fullbacks in that scenario as well. Are they better in a four four two than a four three three? Um, well, it's worth trying because at the moment it's not working, is it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's also he's been sort of hoisted by his own sword, really, in many many ways because he, he loves the two fullbacks to get forward, and probably just at the moment is a little bit kind of well, hold on, boys, because we're, we're conceding goals on on a regular basis. So, listen, he'll, he'll have thought long long and hard about it. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but. He very, very rarely changes the way that he plays because he has this belief, obviously, in the way that he plays. And as, as we know, generally, it's, it's been very, very successful. So I'm not sure I'm doing the game tonight, and I, but I'm, I'm sat here thinking I'm not quite sure exactly how he's, he's going to set up his team to play. But I think he, at the very least at the moment, he's got to make them more difficult to play against, therefore more difficult to score against as well. Is it a cycle, Mark? Because I was reading an interesting piece by Miguel yeah. Delaney in The Independent yesterday. He was talking about the famous, I think it was Bob Paisley originally said it and Alex Ferguson adopted the quote as well, that you know most great teams have a cycle of, of three or four years. If you look at it, this Liverpool team are in probably their sixth year of this cycle. So does he just have to nearly stop and, and rebuild the second team from here or how do you think it, uh, it'll work? No, from, I, from I think now? you're right. I think you're right. But I don't I don't think it needs a massive rebuild. That That's the thing. But it... It looks, as we spoke before, that this rebuild may be not happening until the summer. And 
Also, of course, in, in the background is what, what are the owners doing? Are they seriously looking for investment, but not over 50%? So they're still in, in control of the club? Or are, or, or are they just sort of sitting to themselves saying, you know what, um, let, let's just sell it and obviously go off and back to America and do whatever they want to do with the money? Being generally, and uh, they've been very, very successful as owners. They, they made the odd mistake, which, which owners haven't done, but, but they understand that, you know, um, with having a sporting franchise, you know that you, know, you get a loss of form, you get injuries at, at key times, etc. So they're not exactly panicking. I think they've looked at the season. It's one of those which is, look, let, let's get through to the summer and have a little look and see what we can or cannot do regards new personnel, etc. I think chaos has been a word that has followed Darwin Nunez around since he's, since he's joined. But, um, I mean, I, I guess the absence... And departure of Sadio Mane is being um, highlighted even more so now, Mark. Yeah, well, it is. You get that because Mane was great. And Mane was great without the ball. Uh, we, we know how good he was with the ball. But he's just one player. So I, I think Nunes will come good. I, I really seriously do. Um, but at the moment, obviously, that, that, that's an issue. And having, having your strike, most of your strike force injured as well is, is just purely unlucky. And it's not, it's not like they've been pulling up in training or anything like that. It's, it's all been in games. But I'm pretty sure it is all related to um, what they've been through in terms of uh, terms of last season. I mean, Jordan Henderson, I, would, I don't know how, how much uh, he covers in terms of, of the games, you know, wherever he goes and plays, etc. But um, he's, he's way off the pace at the moment and he's, he's really, really struggling and you're looking around and saying, well, who can we replace him with? Well, do you know what? They haven't really got anybody to replace him with. We can't stick catering again. Well, we can, but he's he's just never, ever done it. You can see there's something there, but he's, he's, he's one of those that's failed. And when you look at clock signings, there are very, very few of those who have failed. And and generally, when you when you actually seriously look at them, over the last, what was it, five or six years, as you were talking about, he's made very good players into world-class, um, which is, for a coach, is obviously, you know, the best CV ever. So I think sometimes you look at it and think, you know what, it's just not, it's going to be one of those seasons. Whether whether it's one of those seasons that the next season is, is just as bad, I'm not sure, but obviously that's a long way off yet. Speaking of things <clears throat> that might be a long way off, I was surprised to see some of the quotes from his press conference of the papers this morning and he was talking about, like the question came up about whether he might leave the club and obviously he's very bullish about that and uh, yeah. unless I'm told to go, you said earlier on he's the best thing about the football club. It feels mm. like we're a long way from that. Oh, from him going? Yeah, no. No, I, I, I think, you know, it's not so much... It, with Klopp, it won't be losing games. It will just be kind of, you know, wake, waking up in bed and thinking, I've had enough regardless. And I think that's just the way that he is. I mean, Liverpool did really, really well to, to attract him in the first place because I think he was on, didn't he say he was having like a, a one-year hiatus mm-hmm. and obviously his phone or his agent's phone would have been ringing all the time, etc. And he looked at Liverpool and kind of thought, you know what, there aren't many clubs that I would decide to change my mind for, but he, but he did. But now he's, he's the most important person at the football club. Absolutely. Without without him, without him, they wouldn't be anywhere near where they are or what they've done. So he is he is that important. He's and 
you can feel it. You can see it with him that that he's just thinking every every time they play, going, "What's going to happen today?" And for a manager, that's the worst possible thing because generally, with all his teams, he knows that they were going to win most of the games that they play in. But at the moment, he's looking and thinking, "Right, well, what what's happening today? What else is going to go wrong against us?" And you, you know, you don't feel sorry for yourself. It's just one of those things that happens. I mean, when I. Uh, when I first signed in, God, it was 1981 at Boxing Day. We were beaten at home by Man City. We were beaten, I think, 3-1 at home against Man City. And we were 14th in the league. And this was a Liverpool team that had won the uh, European Cup six months earlier in Paris, the 1-0, the, the Alan Kennedy goal. And all of a sudden, all you can imagine all the local papers and and that. Uh, TV and everybody say, oh, they've gone, Liverpool have gone, that's it, it's the end of the cycle. Unfortunately, we had one or two young players come into the side and we ended up winning the league. We went 20-odd games unbeaten. So you just you just never, ever know, do you? That's, that, that's the thing with football. But but at the moment, the the, the way off the pace. Just while we had you, Mark, I wanted to bring you this uh, this clip. So, uh, of course, your, your, your good pal David Moyes and, and West Ham struggling at the moment, sitting in 18th in the Premier League standings and a bit of relegation bother, but still plenty of time uh, left. There's been a, yeah. a clip doing the rounds yesterday of, of David uh, Moyes doing an interview with um, the Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. Uh, some really, really interesting things have already come out of this in terms of the, the teaser. Just uh, for anyone who hasn't heard it, have a listen. They would be out screaming at you at half time. They'd be screaming you at the end of the game. What's the toll of that? David the Messiah Moyes, one of the best known football managers across the globe. Building teams with a clear identity. So, where am I looking and who am I talking to? I was desperate to be successful as a manager and I had 11 years at Everton where we were finding it really difficult to break into the top four. The phone rang and it was Sir Alex. And he said, I'm retiring, and you're the next manager of Manchester United. No interview, not saying, would you like to be? And I met Edward on the next day, back to his house again, and we met the Glazers. It was three days, and that was as simple as that. To get that offer from the greatest manager maybe there ever was was a great compliment. But maybe if I'd really looked into in more detail and more depth, there was a huge change going to have to take place. I trusted Manchester United. Do you feel like that trust was let down? Definitely. But my biggest regret was... We start with the story that has dominated the front pages, the sacking of David Moyes. How did you find out that you're losing your job? Media. Oh, really? If you've got any class or any style, you have to give bad news well. What are those steps forward to get West Ham competing at the very top of the table? I want to build a new West Ham. A lot of supporters might not like the sort of that. When you look at where West Ham is now, do you worry about losing your job? I've got to say... Yeah, fascinating uh, stuff from the Diary of CEO with Stephen Bartlett there, Mark. Like, even just the way in which he, he finds out he's getting the sack from United uh, via social media. Uh, but for me, even, just the fact that when he was getting the job at Old Trafford, just gets a call from Alex Ferguson, you're taking, you're taking over from me, mm-hmm. and he, he meets up with the, mm-hmm. the hierarchy the following day. Some really interesting things, and I mean, uh, fascinating stuff that we weren't quite aware of with, with David. Yeah, <laughs> well, as you know, I know him really well, so... Mm. Um, and I was I, I went to quite a lot of the games at, at Man United when he, when he got the job, which was quite interesting. Sat there in the director's box, obviously an ex Liverpool player. Um, he's driven, Moisey, absolutely, totally. He just he just lives for football. I mean, 
God help his Mrs. Pam. I mean, she she, she lives in Lytham up on the northwest, and you know, he's just he's football, 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 and obviously they're struggling at the moment. But and I would say this, of course, but just just let him manage because it'll, it'll get them out of the mess that they're in. But his whole life is football, absolutely, totally football, and um, it's just one of those guys. I mean, I thought he did a, a fab job at Everton when you look at the players that he brought in and they sold on, etc. So it'll be fine. It'll be it'll, it'll be fine. I never worry about him. I, I, I spoke to him um, the other week. I can't remember. They'd just been beaten again somewhere, and he, he you know, he was he was apoplectic. But he's not he's not got too much to worry about, has he? Yeah, that's true. Hopefully, the, the results from his perspective start to to, to look up and. Uh... Yeah, well, he's, in fairness to him, he's, he is one of the good guys that people mm. who know him will tell you. He just is one of the good guys, but he is absolutely football mad. <laughs> Loves it, uh, Mark. Mm. Very finally, uh, score prediction for Liverpool Wolves tonight in the cup. Um, they're going to go through on pens. Oh, who Wolves? <laughs> 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 No, no, but I think Liverpool, excuse me, I've got this hacking cough. Um, I think Liverpool will go through on pens because basically they don't, I don't think they're that bothered about still being in the competition because really they need to be Champions League, aren't they? So you know what will happen. They'll end up going to, going on and winning it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, winning it tonight yeah, rather yeah, than not, winning Not the, the overall. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Mark, great stuff as always. Thanks a million for joining us. Pleasure. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.